0: ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop watch what i'm gonna do welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto real talk pronto dr d phd hit the intro hold up wait gotta be social network global, home for the local gotta be social network global, home for the local hey okay, nicole uh before we got on you basically could be on every month of my podcast this year. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, I could. I think so. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we're going to talk about yoga. But, you know, I was reading through your um, description of your podcast, Modern Anarchy, everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Conscious Objectors to the Status Quo. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. What do you want to know?
0: I mean, how did you arrive about this? How did you come to this?
1: oof i mean i think a lot of that has been my own journey stepping into my different identities as a queer kinky polyamorous person you know those are a lot of different uh identities that are not as common and specifically for me my mom is mormon my family is very conservative so i just felt like this really big gap between our understandings of the world And I wanted to create a space where we could have open conversations about this sort of stuff to kind of close that gap, uh, especially with how divided our country is. I think that conversations are really powerful to share that humanity and to hear other people's stories. That's kind of where it started. So I just wanted to be able to, yeah, have honest conversations about, about it so people could hear the humanity of other people who live these lives that we often have so much judgment for if you don't understand.
0: So what have you learned the most about talking to different people you, you know, objectors to the status quo?
1: That I don't know anything. <laughs> no, right? right? You don't really right. know that much, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who yeah. knows a lot, actually? But. Yes. I mean, I think one of the biggest things, I mean, I, I'm constantly learning on that podcast, constantly learning because I let each guest on the show pick who comes next. Right. So it's very much so sort of stepping back and kind of letting other people control that. So I've learned a lot of letting go and then also just the power of following your own truth. I think for a lot of people, there are so many things in society that tell you, this is the way to live. This is what you need to do. This is what happiness looks like. And being able to hear so many people that kind of said, fuck that noise and then go on their own path. And then that energy that comes with that and the life that they create through that is, it's so beautiful in my opinion. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing I've learned is to listen to your gut in terms of the path that you want to follow and where you want to go with your life.
0: So, I mean, how has your gut influenced your path?
1: In <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I grew up as a first generation college student, so I didn't really know, Okay, you know, I didn't have a lot of like mirrors of what was possible in terms of this life. So I I wanted to be a doctor at first. That was my like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to help people. I'm going to save lives, ah," you know? But kind of once I got into that field and doing, I was doing research and it felt so disconnected and cold in some ways, the way that Mm -hmm. our medical system works where we're all broken. You get five minutes with your doctor in, out, you know? And at the same time, I was also volunteering as a sexual assault counselor in the ER, doing that sort of work with people where I would sit and do crisis counseling for er visits after sexual assault and it was so meaningful that was definitely one of those big moments where I was hearing you know like as a first generation student you know become a doctor a medical you know that's the high that's the highest thing you could do in the society um but also feeling such a gut pull that I wanted to be able to be more intimate in my way of caring for people that was the first time I was like you know what screw this. I'm going to become a psychologist. This is what I'm going to do. And I want to become a yoga instructor. That's the other piece that I felt in my gut that I want to do. But I'm too afraid of being that California girl that follows that typical. (laughs) I'm originally from California. So I was like, damn it. I don't want to be that person. Um, But I was like, who cares? Like, I like it. This is the path I want to do. Forget everyone else. And I'm just going to start trucking along that. And so that was kind of like the the first moment where I Listen to that gut and then feeling that same thing with starting the podcast right like I I really want to start this space where I can have these conversations and do some consciousness raising about some of these topics, you know my feminist leaning to have conversations about this stuff. And so that was that, and man, it's taken me on an interesting journey. And even the people I've met, the people I'm dating now, in terms of connections through the podcast, I, I'm just on a wild ride at this I mean, point. You really
0: are. I mean, look at you. I'm oh, here yeah. dating people from the podcast. <laughs> we got to get to that. We got yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> connected me to some really, really cool people. Most yeah. definitely. So yoga. You know, you felt pulled toward yoga. What was? What is it about yoga? I mean. I mean, I'm on the West Coast myself. Yeah. So like I remember being an ocean beach not that long ago, in San Diego. And uh, that's a wild place, by the way. It's mm-hmm. uh, surfing, yoga, mm-hmm. like a swap meet, basically <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like people doing acro yoga. It was all over the place. What was the yes. pull for yoga? Mm,
1: for me, I've always, you know, my parents owned a gym. So I was always in this, like, really like active, you got to stay healthy with okay. your body sort of thing. Okay. Um, and originally I went to yoga to stretch because I was so, and still am in many ways, deeply unflexible, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I really should do that sort of thing. And then once I went, you know, a couple of classes, I just noticed that I felt better, not just physically, but also mentally, you know, when you take that moment to slow down and to connect to your breath and be a little bit stiller and um, yeah, just take that moment to be present. I think a lot of it is that for me is it slows me down to just be with my body, to be with my breath. And when I first came to the practice, I didn't have any sort of meditation like that. So I started noticing such a big difference in that experience. And, you know, yoga has this You know there's a set sequence for some of the poses and you can notice yourself progress as you continue to practice over your time, and so I kind of got. Addicted almost in a beautiful way to the benefit of feeling more present and noticing myself progress and my flexibility and challenging myself in so many ways that yeah it became a integral part of my spirituality and mental health at that point.
0: It's interesting that the, the S word, it's a different S word, you know, spirituality here. or sex, yeah. which one, <laughs> or are yeah, they well, the same you thing? Know, you know, there are a lot of S <laughs> words out there, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. With spirituality, I, I run up against this when I talk, uh, to lots of professionals in the psychedelic space, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I feel like it's very difficult to escape the spiritual aspect of that. And the same thing with yoga, how do you see that manifest playing out in that space?
1: In which one, the psychedelic in, or the yoga? Uh, yoga. Yeah. Okay. We'll,
0: listen, we have got a lot to get to. Right? I know. <laughs> I know.
1: Right. Right now, my uh, clinical training, I do psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, mm-hmm. so like I'm like right there, you know, you are, in that space right too. Um, in terms of yoga, I mean, my understanding of spirituality, I came from a very fundamentalist Christian background, so I've got a lot of spiritual trauma there, with a sense of spirituality that has felt restrictive, stressful uh in a harmful in a lot of ways so it's been a journey for me to even use the s word because i'm so like ah, ah." (laughs) i don't want to get into anything like that again but for me my understanding of spirituality today is anything that brings my spirit joy right so that's a lot of different things so in terms of yoga i have that you know experience of connecting my body with my breath and slowing down. And I feel kind of like I mentioned earlier, this rising in my spirit, my energy, and it feels good. That's spirituality for me. Spirituality is also listening to some fun music and dancing in my apartment. Spirituality is connecting with people over a beautiful meal and feeling the joy of that. For me, spirituality is anything that kind of gives my spirit life. And I think it doesn't have to be more complicated than that, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of Well, I look at it as there's a lot of branches on spirituality Mm -hmm. and what most people in my experience associate that with uh, a formalized religious experience, but that there are many and there are many pathways that being one of them, a formal religious experience and maybe more nature based, maybe more yoga based. There's lots of different versions of spirituality. Here's a big question. Do you think humans are wired to be pulled towards spirituality?
1: Ooh, now we're talking psychology. Come I'm right on, here. Let's, let's do go. it. Let's go. You know, I think that I lean very existential in how I understand psychology and other things like that. Uh wired. Spirituality, that's a great question. I think that we're meaning-making creatures personally. Mm -hmm. I think that we all live a life and we're looking for a narrative and meaning and purpose in this void to like kind of wake up every day and to understand our existence. And so in some ways, yes, whatever that purpose is, whatever that meaning is, I would say, yes, we're, that's Inevitable for any human, whether you use spirituality, other people might say their meaning or purpose is their work that they do other people might say their meaning is their family, you know, all those things can fall under, under spirituality too. maybe we just need a more expansive understanding of what spirituality is, but I definitely lean existential where I think that all of us are looking for some sort of meaning making and purpose.
0: Yeah, I, I think, well, you know, there's a great book about this essentially Victor Frankl's man search for meaning. And it's, it's literally all humans crave meaning Yep. and uh, to figure out like, what is this existence that we're in? You know, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of, a lot of different things mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. it. And it feels like when I talk to people who are like heavily into yoga, that yoga provides a form of understanding of that. Here's mm-hmm. another question. Hit I'm going keep diving here. Go. What do you think of, yoga basically ancient forms of yoga versus how it is portrayed today in, say mm. kind of western society
1: mm. yep that's a tough question in yep. terms of appropriation of a culture that we have kind of whitewashed in many ways and brought this mm. over here yeah you know I, i'm just another white girl that's doing this sort of practice you know what <laughs> i mean like this problematic in its own nature um I think it's interesting, and this happens in a lot of different contexts. Another one to think about is Tantra, right? Tantra, Mm. you know, as a sex psychologist in training, it's um, another space where it can be very whitewashed and pulled away from the actual spiritual practice that it was founded in. And I think what's tricky about these things is that It gets pulled away, but people still find healing in these modalities in different ways, and so it's tricky where it might be an appropriation and a washed down version in many ways, but people are still finding healing in that, and I think that's something I'm noticing, even as like a psychologist in different Different books that I read that offer different ways of finding healing that I, you know, as a psychologist, I'm like, well, that science is a little bit of a logical leap here, here, there. And it makes me kind of scared to read it. I was reading um How to uh, Break the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe mm. Okay, that. I have
0: mm-hmm. heard of that. Oh.
1: Okay, it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> some of the the like logical leaps he makes are as, you know, as a fellow person in the space, like a little what? bit. Like
0: what's the leap? Like
1: Well, Jesus, Um, you know, he's talking about the quantum field and how our thoughts can change the quantum field and manifesting right Abraham Hicks all these sort of ideas of how you manifest. (laughs) I know and I start to try to believe you know i'm very like give me science give me hard material and I understand that like. If these things are true we couldn't really study them in the way that our understanding of science currently can so I try to leave some level of openness. But there is like huge logical leaps in these where it's Mm. like he's saying if this, then that, and the logic is 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 I guess a logic of faith at that point it's not hard science in that way but I could see how someone could read this and find so much benefit in what he's saying in terms of like letting go of your old self to the new self and meditation in this way so I think I see a lot of this where it's like things are pulled away from maybe you know hard science or their their original creation as a spiritual practice and religion but people can still find so much healing in these things so I think it's a complicated question um i'm happy if people find healing but it's important to honor the fact that these practices come from a long tradition that should be respected yes for the culture
0: i like complicated questions you're going to keep you're going to keep getting complicated questions me i love them (laughs) just just what i like to do yes all right so here we go again it's just another thing coming up here so manifesting Mm -hmm. this is a strange one for me i'll be honest with you like I've had a lot of people come on or talk to, her like I manifest this in my life. Uh, the universe told me, okay, I'm I'm trying to understand what this means. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, well, I talked to somebody and I was like, so like you manifested, you got this great job, like, but what did you do actually to help get a good job too? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you didn't just sit there and something happened to you, did it? Right. Like, like how do you? What's your take on all of
1: that i mean my take is that we live in an existential void okay at no point can i with a hundred percent certainty say that i manifested anything Mm. at no point with a hundred percent certainty can i say that my gut is leading me to some sort of instinct path you know i there's a lot of people that say that there's a lot of people even at my current clinical site that believe in the sense of an inner healing wisdom right where just like our body knows how to heal from you know a cut maybe our psyche can do the same thing where it has this mm-hmm. inner healing wisdom kind of like a plant that turns towards the sun all these sorts of things i like to believe in i think that's really beautiful i think it inter- introduces some interesting questions about where where am i going towards is there a fate who find that what is that journey no matter what you're doing, we have no proof to say with 100% certainty that that is what it is. And so it is always going to be an existential leap of faith to put trust in that. So at my my heart, I'm like, yeah, that's really great. I've had some interesting synchronicities in my life that show up in weird patterns. I don't know. That's all I know is that I don't know. And that to put faith in to put faith in that is an existential leap of trust. And you can't get out of that situation, unfortunately.
0: That's interesting because I'm not, I don't think I've heard it put that way,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I'm tracking on that. I mean, I've always been a very faith-based person my entire life. I've had very positive experiences with like formal religion mm-hmm. um, and other versions of spirituality, but it's all faith on some level, yes. right? If, yes. Whether you decide it's not, it really is. Because Mm -hmm. I can't prove without a shadow of a doubt that, let's say, God exists, but I believe it. Right. right? And and there's really no way to prove or disprove it either. Right. And I can't say, well, the universe did bring you or didn't bring. I don't know. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is it's 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 a leap of faith. But I know that like nothing generally like if I sit here and I do this podcast with you and I literally do nothing else, it's generally not going to do anything. I mean, it's not like it's going to people are going to listen to it if I don't release it, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so so there's just all these things, I think, to have to try to, like, reconcile with it. But I think the whole thing is that you're right. It is all an existential leap of faith.
1: Yeah, unfortunately so. Right. It'd be much easier. I mean, maybe that's the beauty of our universe is that it has so many questions. Right. And, you know, that's the fun journey of all of it. But it it is that leap you know and i think personally it's nice to feel like there is something to believe in it makes me feel yes. a little bit more like i have gravity on this earth and to feel like my instinct is pulling me in some way and that there's some sort of balance to all of that right i mean philosophers have been asking that question for centuries do we need god to exist in our our life some sort of direction i think it gets tricky too when you think about the privilege of manifesting right like mm. you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to sit to someone who is struggling to provide um, food for the table for their family and just say, well, just sit back and manifest. And maybe if you, you know, maybe if karma was on your side, you would actually have, I'm just like, what the fuck?
0: Like, some the,
1: there's real systemic problems in our country that yeah. have created inequalities in wealth and access to resources. So I always get a little like, we can't just sit back and be like, manifest. That's
0: it's crazy to me. That's actually crazy to me. You're someone who's like struggling and you're like, just manifest what you want. That's essentially a prosperity gospel gospel. So saying, hey, if you just believe hard enough, and if you say it enough times, you're gonna get you're gonna receive it. No. I mean, there's plenty of people out there doing amazing things and then never getting what they actually want yep. for that. You have to Absolutely. be careful about that, I think.
1: Absolutely. That's where I come in and say that too, right? Where that's you have to be careful about what you say about those sorts of things. I do think though that if you start to see where you're going in your life and to get really clear on what you want to do and how you want to live, that's ultimately mindfulness right you're of kind of seeing where you're where you would like to be you have that moment where something comes up a fight some sort of thing you pause enough to think who's the person that i want to be right that's who i want to be and you start to choose to act in that way and i think in the same thing you know when i'm like oh i'm manifesting that i'm going to be this amazing psychologist that writes yeah. books and other sorts of things the more <laughs> i start to feel that in right. myself the more i carry that into my conversation with you and to my conversations with other people. And so I do think that there is this way where like when you start to quote unquote manifest, think yeah. about things, you step into that space and act differently and the world responds. But yeah, I, I personally don't believe it just shows up on a platter. But then again, talk to me in a couple of years and maybe I'll be like, you know, know what? Man. I changed my view.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Anytime you talk to anyone who's like in the psychedelic field or, you know, has, has had wonderful experiences and stuff. Everybody has a different vibration about how they talk about all this stuff. Like Mm -hmm. you're like this, I'm like this. It's just funny. It's like you've gone through an experience and you can't have these kind of stereotypical thoughts about Mm. life. It's just almost impossible to Mm -hmm. feel like that. And thinking like you mentioned about, I realize I don't really know that much, Mm. but so many people crave knowing as much as possible and like wanting to be right the whole thing. And I figured that's like the thing with the universe with me. I'm okay with not knowing about space and what's, what's out there and the planets. I'm like, I just think it's amazing. It exists. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it feels good to have some sense of control, right? Yeah. In all of this, right. To feel like I know the things and I have gravity and I'm, grounded in this yeah. rather than acknowledging that there's so many unknown variables i think personally i think this is a fascinating time for the human experience because we've never had so much access to knowledge in a lot of different ways but specifically even in just about our our universe yeah. slash the scale of what we are in terms of a small 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 small,
0: small, small, small. i mean small <laughs>
1: what the hell i mean we don't know anything in terms right of not really our existence exactly <laughs> but you tell people that and then we start to panic and we're like okay well what does this mean then What? Are, yeah. who am i and i think it's really interesting in that way to think about how the internet has given us so much access to information like this in a way that humanity never had to contemplate
0: yeah it's 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 mind-blowing i like i do like I enjoy space and stuff like that and learning like the James Webb telescope and all that. Been, I can tell you all about it. I know all that stuff, but I'm okay with like not knowing a lot mm-hmm. about what's out there. Yeah. Because, you know, if something, if a machine looks into literally the size of a finger of, of a point in space and you tell me there's millions of galaxies in that one tiny little grain of sand, how could I possibly even try to know what else it's like, I'm glad other people are looking for but, you know, you're never going to know. And I think that's the thing that's kind of we have to have acceptance is that you're never going to have the answer to everything. That's really important to accept, I feel like
1: absolutely yes and then to see the wonder of that right like there's so much joy in i mean for me it's always yes and both sides of the coin we don't know the ends of the universe how scary and we don't know the ends of the universe how interesting right like we don't even understand how atoms work on the small scale which is what i'm made out of we don't understand on a quantum level where they go we can go macro micro whatever way and it's just Fascinating. I like, mean, it really what? is. Yes. And I think that's enough of even a spiritual practice for me to try and hold on to the knowledge that we do have now that has taught us that we don't know much. And to see the world through that, personally, it brings me a lot of joy and it feels very poetical in some ways. But it's also very scientific to think about the facts that we don't even know Yeah, how these little atoms in my skin are moving right yeah. now and where they go in, in the moments when we really try to measure them. How interesting.
0: I know. Okay. Why is there such um, friction between science and spirituality, in your opinion? Uh,
1: what a, what an interesting question. <laughs> I I mean, if you look at the history of it, I think that it was so deeply intertwined for so long, right? It was always that God explained all of our science. God explained all of these things. And I think that as we stepped out into the scientific revolution, right, we we tried to. Sorry.
0: That's you see, yeah, it's a sign. It's
1: a sign. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a sign. <laughs> My neighbor is doing something above me. Um, but yeah, as we stepped out into the scientific revolution, there was a really hard pull to get away from that, right? To step away from the the dark ages of knowledge mm-hmm. that was, you know god explaining everything so we really stepped out of that and now we're trying to not have that be the answer for things And so, I mean, that's what I think it would be is that like originally it was just so closely tied together that now we're trying to step so far out and we wanted to have a very easy understanding of things. That's how we had Newtonian physics, right? Like here are the laws to our life. This is how it works. This is how objects fly in motion. And that's why it was so fascinating when you know Einstein, the quantum mechanics world stepped in and kind of changed everything that we know to say that we don't know much. (laughs) And so now we're stepping into this interesting space now Oh, yeah, where we were God, no God. now we're back to big question marks, so I don't know it's an interesting yeah. time
0: I actually think that um both of these things can coexist right. amazingly well, and that they actually both lead back to each other right I think they I think they really do, and I think we're- we're starting to understand that on so I think people are craving spirituality more than ever, but they're dropping the rigidity of formalized things Mm -hmm, more than mm -hmm. ever and people want science more than ever but then they're like okay well what type of science is this i mean is this conspiratorial science is this like you know is this even the peer-reviewed process is somewhat muddy at this point and it used to be the gold standard and now it's like people are just cherry-picking things Mm -hmm. to make it fit the narrative so it's like we're we're in this trying to go through this weird muddy time." Right. Of, the, of Absolutely. this whole thing, you know?
1: Yes, yes, because science in the past is used for harm, right? Science right. in the past is used for really problematic things, depending on who was interpreting it and how they used it to further their agenda. So I mean, always ask really big questions of scientists, right? Like, how are you defining your variables? What are your cutoff points, all this sort of stuff is always influenced by human bias. And we can't really get out of that world, right? Even quantum mechanics, right? Like the the bias of being observer to something changes how the thing interacts. So yeah, can we ever step out of that? Probably not. I what I think is fascinating as someone who's studying psychology is that I mean, I'm getting to this point where I feel like not to be spiritual, you know, but I think we're all kind of gods in some way in terms of the fact that there is no truth, capital T, right? Like you're having an experience of this podcast right now in your own head, your own life, your own experience. I'm having my own experience of this conversation right now. And like, where is the capital T truth in this? Is it your experience? Is it my experience? Is it somewhere in between? In my understanding of it i think we're all kind of gods in that way of creating our own narrative of having our own story and having our own meaning making um to use god lightly i know that can be sacrilegious to a lot of sure. people but but your story your experience you're creating that and that's only yours
0: well it, it gets into a conversation i mean this can go a lot of directions by the way let's go a consciousness you know yeah. and it's um uh... Man, that's a deep, deep field of study and research. You know, this is also, I think, a field of study that is um, befuddling a lot of researchers Mm -hmm. because it has, there is this section of people who want to solve the hard problem of -hmm. consciousness and that there's this kind of physical consciousness and let's find this concrete consciousness. And then there's the spiritual aspect of consciousness In the sense that, you know, we're spiritual beings and a finite existence type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just, we're, again, it's another one of these things we're butting up against each other. Mm. And, but, you know, there are different realities. Your reality is different than my reality, a dog's reality. I mean, think about the reality of like an orangutan or a fly. I mean, these are very different. The color spectrum that they see things, how they experience life. smells, aromas. These are different forms of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Children, child consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's all different for that. So we're, we're, we're struggling. And and I think psychedelics is the perfect vehicle for discussing all of this Mm -hmm. because it is both scientific and heavily spiritual at the same time.
1: Say more in what ways?
0: Well, I feel like it is, and having several deep uh, trips (laughs) in my life, it it confirmed my spiritual faith-based heart. Mm. But I feel like it's for people I knew that weren't spiritual at all, it brought that to them, mm. which was incredible. I mean, these are people who are like zero and it actually, it built that into them. And so I think like in that aspect, psychedelics, you're dealing with this hardcore research science, but it's you're also dealing with this, huge divinity-based element that I think a lot of researchers just don't want to allow in. But how sure. can you not with, with this type of thing?
1: yeah definitely i mean i think you there's an easy way to do it right because then yeah. you're like well it's it's increasing my serotonin and that's what i'm experiencing <laughs> and so this like is why, why this is that. you know, because <laughs> like, there is an easy way to be like it is still science jerry and yeah. this is what i'm doing so like yeah. i think just kind of like any aspect of life there is a way to look at it where it's like this is all it is, or this is all that it is in the other way in terms of spiritual. And I think you get people that fall into different camps of that. What I think is fascinating is that we don't know anything, right? Like we truly, we prescribe people SSRI, but we don't know how they work. We know that it does increase serotonin, but from the research, that's not actually the mode of Right. um impact that's not right. is that's not what's causing it so we don't actually know why ssris are in uh, effective in the way that they are so a lot of this like you can study the brain you can learn that this is the area this is the receptor this is the thing but yeah truly how it works we don't know and i think this is where i come back to like meaning making right right because someone i have i love psychedelics this is part of my area too right like too. i can look at that trip as being like Yeah, I had extra serotonin, so I was in this altered state where things were fuzzy great, or I could look at it as you know i'm in this moment where i'm connected to the universe, and I, you know, I feel the connection to other souls. I mean, and a lot of that at least as my practice as someone that's training in this field and providing therapy in this field is to honor whatever meaning making that someone creates out of it. Yeah. There are some people that come to me are very like, this is the science, this is how it's working on my brain and it's creating neuroplasticity. That's why it's effective, right? Yeah. And then there are other people that feel like it's the plant medicine that heals them and that um, brings that truth to them. And for me, knowing we live in an existential void, I'm not here to claim anything, okay? I'm not here to say one thing is more true than the other. I'm going to honor whatever people bring to that space as being their truth and their wisdom.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're playing this right down the line, I see.
1: <laughs> you have to, no, right? I just,
0: no, I, this is not a bad thing. I'm just yeah. like, everybody has different experiences for yeah. for that. It's just funny, my own personal observation of it is that it has a heavy dose of both Mm -hmm. on there and like almost everybody i've run into about it which i I think is interesting and now i'm diving into the more indigenous aspect of it and actually today i just released an episode uh with this uh, lady named rebecca who was doing Mm -hmm. her phd in the amazon with healers cool and it's amazing like the work she's doing down there and honoring the ceremony Mm -hmm. and the amount of work Because, you know, there's two sides to this or many sides to it. There's the kind of clinical research side that's kind of in a room and it's very controlled. And then there's more like the shamanic side, which Mm -hmm. I'm really diving into, which feels very different. These two areas need to come together and honor each other, I feel like, because there's different pathways, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there are different pathways. And yeah, respecting both, right, of what someone's meaning-making is of that experience and what tradition and culture that they're in, in terms of what these powerful things are. I mean, I think we, we do know that psychedelics significantly increase the amount of emotionality that you have, right? And that's a beautiful thing and can create a lot of different experiences. And I think that's Kind of you know like when you asked me what have i learned and, you know it's that like, i don't know anything yeah. and so i take a really big step back these people manifesting might know something that i truly don't even know and i've never experienced my supervisor who speaks about the inner healing wisdom and the sense of the gut that directs him in that experience he knows something that I don't know in his own experience. The indigenous practice, they know something that I don't know, you know, and I am not here in any way to be saying this is the capital T truth of yeah. any of this. And I hope that's kind of where we get to this this space of its yes and to a lot of our experience where we can honor the different types of wisdom and live truth that people have in this world, as you long as it's like, not harming. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I mean, do
0: you feel like, do you feel like this is just purely a question? Do you feel like we're as a society moving? towards that is that the is that kind of what your reality is telling you or is it the reality that this is a very divided situation we're in because i never i don't know i i my personal experience i see a lot of good people and a lot of togetherness Mm -hmm. but if i look outward beyond that i see a lot of like everybody disagrees with everything Mm -hmm. like it's like you know it's like okay well i'm not experiencing that actually you know for
1: sure yeah that's tricky because i don't know the research on it and i think it's something that i ask people a lot in my community too you know like as a queer kinky polyamorous person i'm like in a very leftist group of people you know who are all asking if capitalism is really the right way to be doing this (laughs) game you know (laughs) knowing that there's people that don't have access to resources and are starving for food while certain people are at the one percent right but is everyone asking that question i don't know i don't Mm -hmm. think everyone is and I think part of the scary thing is that with the internet and the way that the algorithms work in terms of giving you what you're already interested in and you know the other space that we need to have conversations from different points of view and to be hearing that and to be growing through that together I'm not really sure to be honest I'm not not sure what it's looking like in terms of um, division you know we know Some of the conservative movements, you know, we know that gay people are being killed at bars, you know, like some of these things it's it might be anomalies and very much so on the this the actual edges of these society, um, which is what I hope my hope my dream is that the Internet is helping us to see diverse points of view and helping us to actually get closer to understand to ask these questions about these systems if they're actually serving all of us. Um, That's my hope. Is it true? I don't know. I haven't seen the research. I live in a bubble in my own echo field with my own <laughs> friends. So like, I don't really know, you know what I mean? And the news is going to give us the things that are scary, the things that activate our amygdala enough to want to read the article. So I really don't know. I'd have to look at the research to see. And I think we're going to continue to see. Yeah. But I mean, if voting in America is any sign of indication, <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting. And not it looking is interesting, good.
0: isn't it? It's very interesting. <sighs> Here's a. I don't think I've ever thought about this. Do you think yoga is inherently uh, a progressive leftist activity?
1: <laughs> I think it probably depends, right? Again, on like what is yoga, right? Are you talking about the original yoga practice, truly the spirituality and all of that? Or are you talking about core power yoga with, You know, <laughs> where you come in and they're like, here you go, we're gonna get a workout, you know? Yeah. So I think that um, I know when I was a Christian back in the day that I was warned against practicing yoga with, from Why? my, because it's because it's leftist and and because it teaches that God is in you, Namaste. You know what I mean? Which which is the practice sure, of honoring the of light and the God in in another person. And yeah. so when I was a young Christian, I was specifically told to not practice yoga because it does that and because the the, the poses are honoring different gods is what I was
0: told. That's wild, man.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, there's definitely a space I think where some people would be like, Yeah, yoga is totally leftist. It's honest honoring the Godhead in you. But I think also it depends on like, how do you define yoga? Cause I don't think that that's what core power is teaching when you go into one of those no. like more corporate no. level settings. So I think I'd have to ask what is, what is the yoga? You
0: know what I mean? I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess that was a pretty general question. I just, I was just curious of like, yeah. I don't know, like, I feel like I would like to ask that to a lot of people, maybe be a little more specific uh, with that. I'm just I'm just curious. I just feel like my experience, like I meet a lot of good people and I'm not going Mm -hmm. out of my way to like talk to people that are the same as me. Like it's just that's not a thing for me, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, my understanding, hope view of humanity is that we are all inherently good in that way. I think that we all like to work together. I think we all like yeah. to to be collective when we're not in a scarcity mindset of resources and power and other sorts of things. I think I like to believe that, yes, we're all good at our core yeah. and that's really where we thrive. You know, survival of the fittest was debunked to be more of a collective yeah. idea that we're understanding as a species. And so I think, yeah, I think the. the majority of humans want to do good. And I think it's scary, though, when that idea of what good is can be conflated with things like religion, right? Like the person who goes out and murders queer people is doing it because they feel like that's what God called them to do. And in their heart, they're doing the best that they think that they're supposed to be doing. And I think that's what's scary to me, um, is how that can be warped into other ways that cause harm for other people. But I, I do believe that, yeah, at our core, we are all good beings that are trying to be connected and and that we're we're animals at some point too, right? Like yeah. when we don't feel safe, we're going to attack. That's that's part of it. When we don't have the resources to feel safe, we're going to attack. And that's part of the my view of questioning the systems, you know, of how yeah. can we get to a better society when these systems are making us feel like we don't have the resources.
0: Right. I mean, you mentioned the internet and algorithms and the whole. I mean, I've talked about this with the different people, but it's great to have it with different people because you get different perspectives. But, yeah. like, how can the internet be better for current and future users of it?
1: That's a great question. I mean, specifically, what's coming to mind for me is something like TikTok, right? That has been known to reduce coverage, and I don't even know the right words to say this for the algorithm, like um, not having people who are trans, overweight, or having people who are heavy bodied different disabilities, like all these sorts of things. It's fascinating that the algorithms are taking those away and that we have known research that these things are happening. That scares me. I think that in terms of the internet, we should have something that is more reflective of the actual diversity of the human experience and I don't know who controls those things that starts to get above my pay grade of Same right stuff, you know. yeah cuz they want to give you what they what you want to see they want to give you what you want to click on and all those sorts of things but it's scary to think how that can create its own echo chambers in a way right that's how we get things like the very conservative alt right where you have these videos and and call me out for the conservative alt left right sure, like shit of uh where of like we start to get into our own spaces and then we just keep thinking there thinking there thinking there rather than you know truly coming together in a very democratic process to hear one another and hear the different perspectives and be changed by that so if i had to say that then maybe that's what we need you know algorithms that bring different opinions different views show the diversity of the human experience but again that's way beyond my pay grade to understand how to tell humanity there
0: Uh, it's a strange thing i feel like the internet's this amazing it's gonna, I think we're gonna look back and think it's one of the greatest inventions of humanity, oh, yes. but one of the weirdest things that people have done with it. Uh, mm. I think it like, I mean, I've met so many people because of the internet, but yep. actually in doing this podcast and all these episodes, almost every single person I've talked to says they're exhausted by mm. social media, the internet, like they feel like it's becoming less significant in their lives. Like in a lot of things, there's it's turning into this thing where like people are starting to be like, you know what, this is not good for me. Like these things, where are we headed with that? And all of Mm a sudden you're getting this collective, this isn't good for me. I've seen so much research that said, this is bad for me. Mm -hmm. Where are we going with that?
1: Yeah. Where are we going versus where should we go? Okay. that We can do (laughs) that. (laughs) That, that, ah, You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. It's interesting. I think that, i can only really speak to my own experience with this right um for me personally i i grew up with the internet in middle school because i'm younger right so then i've had this sort of like connected to the hip sort of thing where my sense of self was being through posts to other people getting likes all these different things and at least for me yeah, i've i've personally felt much better without having instagram on my phone without posting things instead i send my, the pictures that i would post to my loved ones through text what a and I'm thought like, Hey, here you go. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I always think it's such a strange idea, right? Like where in society would you choose to post this picture of something? So you're getting in front of a group of people standing on stage saying, Hey, look, I did this thing. And then you look at the numbers and okay. So 200 people saw this and no one responded. So you just got in front of a stage said, look at my poster. And everyone just stared at you. That doesn't feel good personally for me you know and i think you can understand that in a lot of different ways you know when you get a lot of cheer then it does feel really good but then do you get addicted to that cycle of connection Of of like externalization of joy from other people's response you know like It's all very scary. I think that I love that it keeps you connected. You know, there's so many beautiful ways that you can stay connected to people, you know, across time that you've met in different ways or an Instagram is almost like a business card these days where they're like, follow me on Instagram and see what I'm up to. So personally, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with it myself. I am very confused <laughs> by it. I love people like um, Adrian and Marie Brown who are just posting memes, not just they are posting memes. And I uh, love those memes because I feel connected to that. So maybe uh, that's where we get to where, you know, like we follow uplifting content, you know, right. or other sorts of stuff like that. But it's scary knowing that our brains like fear, we like, you know, the amygdala is attracted mm-hmm. to things like that. And so, yeah. you know, the news cycle is going to give you fear, 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 fear. If you start to look into that, you can get into algorithms where that's all you're getting. And, you know, that's yeah. at, at the end of the day, playing off of the human emotions and for money to make your new system go, <laughs> which is kind of scary when you think about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had I have I had this weird epiphany about social media like only seven, eight years ago because mm-hmm. I'm 44. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm a Gen Xer. Like yeah. I'm in this weird Gen X generation where it's like we were known as the slackers. I'm not a slacker, by the way. <laughs> just slacker. to
1: clarify.
0: But, you know, there's stereotypes about every generation. Yeah. You know? And like I just remember like using pay phones and like like if I had a picture and like I would give it to somebody and it was meaningful mm-hmm. to them. Or, you know, it's like I remember when that thing like Foursquare came out or something and it was like, give your location when you check in somewhere. And I remember thinking, like, when I was growing up, you never did that because you didn't want people to know you were gone. Yeah. Or someone was at your house. And I was like, this seems dangerous to me. Like, so all these old ways, how I grew up without the Internet, like it would always mess with my head about how things are. I'd be like, this doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And and then Mm -hmm. like, if I didn't like a certain platform, I would just be like, this is garbage. And I would just get rid of it. Like I never like in my podcast, I don't have Instagram or Twitter and any of that stuff. And I know maybe I'm missing out on stuff, but I just don't care. Like, (laughs) like,
1: yeah, because no. when it's your mental health on the line, like it's not worth risking that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But what I think is fascinating as someone who's doing their research in sex and relationships is like how this changes yeah. all of our relationships, right? This
0: yeah. is another whole podcast, I'm telling you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because you have so much access to so many people in ways that society never did. I mean, and and you can think about it in terms of like, Uh, codependency and having that open communication constantly and how that's changed our relationships in some ways. We're like, yeah, before you went out and you didn't know where your person was, you know, and that was kind of how it worked. And you came back together where now you can have Constant communication, if you want to, and or constant access to new partners, new people to date, because of apps and things like that, where your world used to be so much smaller when you couldn't connect yeah. on the internet. You only knew maybe what like three hundred people, and and that was you know mostly family and connections yeah. through that. So all of this is really fascinating, and very much so changing how we do sex and relationships as well.
0: All right, let's do it. Let's go there. Let's take, take it there. So you talk about. And and I read about consensual non-monogamy. Okay, for yeah. our listeners, I think it's good to. I'm like you, like I, I you know, I'm, I'm in science at my doctorate. We have to operationally define what this means what is this So uh, clearly so everyone will have a good understanding of
1: well you know from my research maybe we should start with monogamy you know what <laughs> is monogamy i'm serious yeah. because that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people okay some people their monogamy means you can't hold hands with another person some people it means you can't kiss someone on the cheek some people's monogamy means you can't have emotional relationships with someone of the of an opposite or different gender than you right so i mean i think first the question is kind of defining what is monogamy because that's at least where my dissertation has gone because when you try to define non-monogamy it's based on the non of monogamy so Mm. what is monogamy first and that has such an open definition that first off i think a lot of people should work to define right like is it okay for me to go out to go get drinks and have an emotional relationship with someone of a different gender the opposite gender that i would naturally be attracted to some people that's breaking the rules of monogamy some people break in the rules of monogamy is watching porn you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. so like it really depends so like non-monogamy is anything that's not monogamy and monogamy is the practice of what you can't do with other people That was the only way I could find some sort of definition that was able to reign the big practice of what monogamy can be. Inherently, you come together in a dyad relationship and then choose what you can't do with other people and make that commitment to someone else. So non-monogamy can mean a lot of different things, right? It could mean getting that coffee with someone of a gender that you're attracted to that isn't your partner. To some people, that's non-monogamy and that's having an emotional affair, you know, so. All it, it gets really complicated. first, we wanted to find Man. that and whatever that is, and it's the opposite of that. and doing it in a consensual way. And that can mean so many different things to people in terms of the boundaries of, you know, emotional connections, sexual connections, somewhere in between, but doing it all under the umbrella of having discussions about it.:
0: Man, you know what? Nicole, you just blew a lot of people's mind with that. I don't think a lot of people thought about it that way. I mean, there's elements to that I didn't think about. I was like, "Mm." hmm. Well, this is
1: okay. As someone who wants to work with relationships, couples, more than that, like, That's half of the whole problem. Okay, is we need to sit down and talk about monogamy is beautiful. It is a beautiful commitment that you can make to someone. Let's talk about what that looks like. Because frequently what happens is there's not enough discussion of what that looks like. And we just go off of this automatic, well, monogamy, monogamy, yeah. And then someone goes to get coffee with someone and someone gets hurt. All these sorts of things where we need to get more, um, we need to have more communication about defining what the boundaries are of monogamy for each of these couples and it's always going to be different and that alone I think would solve a a large majority of problems in terms of the experiences that couples have it's just there's not enough communication about it we work on presumptions of what we're supposed to do when we're in relationship with people
0: this is gold right here i mean this is people this is gold i'm gonna give you a great example of what nicole is talking about this is literally gonna crystallize this so much all right so i have a awesome friend i will not name who this friend is but uh he got divorced and he said, oh, it's nice because now I can actually just have meetings like with with other women and like sit down, and have coffee with them. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You weren't doing that before. He's like, no, that, like I said, I do that all the time. I've been married almost 20 years it has been no issue. And in my mind, I was like, that seems weird to me. But when you said that, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, it's <laughs> exactly what like that was. That's normal for me. But in his deal, that was like a no. That was mm-hmm. breaking the monogamy mm-hmm. for that. And that's, I don't know, that just dawned on me. <laughs> yeah,
1: isn't that interesting?
0: <laughs> right, like, exactly. Is that no big deal. I mean, we're just talking, you know, having some coffee. But for someone else, that's like, no. Yes, like, yes. You, know, we, you broke the rules, you know. yes.
1: Yes. Which I want to honor if that's someone's perspective of how they want to do their relationships. That's great. It also makes me want to ask questions of
0: why, but why? That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Why? And that's, I think you're right. You have to discuss these things and say, okay, what, what are you okay if I go and do this? If I don't go do this, I don't think people are actually discussing that.
1: Mm -mm. No, no, they're assuming that
0: I'm not going to cheat on you. Like, and they think of that in a more of like a sexual context, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of communication that could happen about that in terms of, you know, I feel insecure when you go on a date or Mm -hmm. go get coffee with someone else because it makes me feel like you don't want to spend that time with me. And so how can we talk about that? There is so much that can be talked about in terms of these things because, you know, I practice relationship anarchy, like the lack of ownership over someone. So, you know, I have different partners in my life that, that have complete freedom to yeah. have sex, make love, create whatever they want with people. And like, at least in my own experience with that, a lot of that has been a lot of self-work to mm. find my own grounding in that of feeling secure in myself when my partner goes to have sexual relations with someone else and to know that my worth is not at all changed through that personally that's been my own psychedelic trip of relationship yeah, anarchy yeah. it's been one wild trip in terms of <laughs> it self-development <sounds> <laughs> it's, it is wild okay but personally now that i'm on this other side like i couldn't ever go back like i personally you know everyone can do what they want to do but i will not yeah. have sex with one person for the rest of my life like that is not an option in my world yeah I just think there's higher ways to show that you love someone personally. There's right. multiple ways to do that. And I think that for me, sexual fidelity is not one of those things.
0: Do you think but like, do you, do you think that would I, don't, I, I totally, Yo, it's your thing. Do you think, though, like, let's say 20 years or whatever, mm-hmm. you think that could change or just what you think it will always stay the same, that mentality?
1: I always leave space for change at any point. So, yes, absolutely. At 20 and 20, could I completely change? Absolutely. Now, here's my thing I kind of, I personally, where I'm at right now, I like the idea of partnership because, you know, when I think about the realities of, there's a limited amount of time and energy, right? Love is infinite. You can build on that, but time and energy is limited. And so there is a limited amount of time that I can sit with another person, hear their story, be a part of their life, be a part of everything and be with them. I really like that space of having that close dyad relationship. I personally don't think that that's going to change my desire to want to have sex with other people. I think that I can have that. And this is where labels like monogamish come in, open monogamy come in, where people have a primary relationship and then can have sexual freedom in other ways that allow you to still have that close partnership. Because I think partnership's beautiful. So I personally don't think that my desire for other sexual interactions are going to be... Change in 20 years. I think I'm always yeah. gonna want to have this freedom now that I know it's possible. Now that I know the stats on women's desires and long-term relationships and the way that it falls off on a drastic, drastic right. drop compared right. to men, which is it's very gendered, but like sure. men in long-term monogamous relationship have a pretty consistent desire that goes slightly dwindles, but women drop off like a roller coaster. And so I ask questions as a researcher of why? Yeah, I don't know the answer. I have theories. I have theories <laughs> of why. You know, I think that a lot of our understanding of sex is penis and vagina and a very scripted foreplay, sure. penetration, orgasm. Maybe for the woman, right? Like, maybe and this is all exactly. <laughs> this is all a very like heteronormative understanding sure. of it. And so, I think if we got out of that script, if we started having conversations about what people like, kink, other sorts of things that people could be bringing in, I think we'd have a lot more of that. And also i wonder if there is a world where maybe women actually like more partners there's been some discussion um about the theory of like oh men wanted more partners and that's been the history for so long because men wanted to spread their seed there's also that comes from a study of fruit flies that apparently was not replicated in humans or other animals. But there's also a theory of what if women actually wanted more partners because it gave them more chance of having offspring Mm -hmm. and having the best sperm impregnate them? Like, what if that's also the space of all of this too? You know, I think there's a lot of discussion and my area of focus is going to be studying this for the rest of my life. Like what is long-term desire? How do we maintain that? And maybe non-monogamy is part of the equation, at least for me, it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You, all, you give great answers, Nicole, seriously. Thank like Very, like, nuanced answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I always appreciate that. The reason why I asked that question was, like, like, when I was in my 20s, the shit that I'm doing now would have never forecasted, mm. ever. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't know what it's going to be like in my 60s. I have no clue. Yeah. So I've, I kind of kept it open. am like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be like this. Maybe like the 22 year old me would have been like, hey, if I came back and said, hey, you know, we're going to be doing psychedelics like in your, you know, late 30s, 40s. I'd mm-hmm. be like my 20 years. self be like that's an impossibility. Yeah, it's an impossibility. So mm-hmm. I have no clue. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like where I'm at now is where I'm at now. We'll see. It could be the same. It could not yes. be. But I say, I, that you know, you never know.
1: Absolutely. I say the same thing too. Absolutely. I could be at 40 being like, you know what? I've studied enough of this that I I want to go back to this, this closed idea. I could study enough of this and be like, I'm going back to Christianity.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I I I never know. I don't know. know. Maybe women do want more partners. I don't know. I mean, but you know, (laughs) think about it this way. Some people want a lot of kids and some people like me want one kid and like, we're good here. I mean, it's like, like, I had one child and I was like, this is not for me beyond this one. I was like, And some people they want to have a huge family so maybe that could be a similar idea on some level. you know yeah
1: absolutely and it doesn't have to be i think my thing too is that when you talk about non-monogamy it doesn't have to be relationship anarchy it doesn't have to be polyamory having multiple partnerships some people really thrive off of swinging some people really thrive off of you know once a year we introduce someone else into our partnership and have a threesome like to spice that up like there's just so much space and so personally i don't think i will ever go back to one person maybe maybe it is like yeah once every couple of months we bring in someone or once every couple of months i go on a date so like i just think that there needs to be more space created for the opportunity to have sex with other people personally because what we do know is how many people feel like sex gets boring sex yeah. gets dull all these other things like why are we forcing ourselves to fit into this box when there's more flavors to play with like i just yeah. don't i just don't know
0: yeah well, it's meaning making things
1: though yeah that's Everybody, that's the thing it's meaning making too it's
0: meaning making It's what you feel about it you know it's like i've always felt an innate pull to be uh married Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoy it, but then yeah. again, on the other hand, I'm literally like the only married person out of all of my friends. <laughs> like, right. Like, no, and everyone else is divorced or like crazy single. Like there is. Right. But then, like it's weird though. And then I see like really young people in their 20s and they're struggling with their sexuality and relationships because of these crazy sexual dysfunction that millennials and Gen Zs are experiencing mm-hmm. and porn and the internet. And then dating apps, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm glad I'm not in that. I'm like, I'm like it seems like so, it's so much stimulation. And, like, you know, if you looking through a phone book, this, this is dating myself. <laughs> it's yeah. all pages like you can't be into all the pages. You know, it's like then you get paralyzed by all the pages. You know, it's like
1: mm.
0: it's crazy. I, I've talked to a lot of people who do dating apps and they're all exhausted by that, too. And I was like the choice when you have so much choice, it could be paralyzing.
1: Absolutely absolutely because is the grass always greener on the other side and now we have to kind of deal with that specifically because divorce is now normalized in a way right right? in the past divorce was not an option in the past women did not have enough freedom financially to even exist independently so it was never an option to just leave people so you were kind of you know this is the person i'm with now that we know that divorce is normalized people can live independently We're always going to be asking that question of, is the grass greener on the opposite side? And that's a tricky thing that everyone's going to have to navigate. And, you know, I think about someone like my sister who's Mormon and she, you know, was a virgin until she was married and now she is married in a monogamous relationship. And I think, you know, what sex means to her is very different than how I understand sex, right? Like sex to her is a act of You know, God's blessing of that moment with him and to have that for her is going to mean something fundamentally different. She's going to live a beautiful monogamous life that is going to have different challenges in terms of creating that erotic spark. But because of the meaning making of what that is for her, that's what she's going to practice. I personally don't have a connection to sex of a godhood like that way. So for to me, sex is intimacy, you know, and I practice that with multiple people. I think that's the space where I want to get to just that people know that there's different options. I don't think that we've been given informed consent, you know, in my opinion talk about research. Informed consent gives you the options of all of it. Risk benefits. There are a ton of risks to non-monogamy, sure. okay? There are a ton of risks to monogamy. All of it has risks and benefits. I just want people to know that there's different ways to do it. And if you're unhappy with your current dynamic and want to explore more, there's a world where you can do that. And I think that's kind of like my activism. It's just knowing that there's different ways to do this and that there are people like myself who are really enjoying it and having a lot of fun
0: yeah, and I think that's one of the, I think, great disservices of religion influencing sex because it yeah. it it's made it very vanilla. Mm-hmm. and it it doesn't honor the fact that people enjoy pleasure in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be celebrated versus being though this is bad. you know, it's like, No, you mean like it's freaky in a different situation, man? You know, it's like, it's okay. It's all good, man. Absolutely. You got to celebrate that.
1: Yes. And I'm working on my first book, Healing Through Kink. And that's specifically what I'm exploring is how to help people to know that there's more space to play. There's way more space to play in this than what is talked about in terms of what normal sex is.
0: Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. needs to be better. And one thing I've especially learned from all my podcast episodes, and I talk to a lot of people in the sex space is the sex communication may be one of the more important aspects of it. You just have to at least talk about it. I mean, like,
1: it's insane.
0: No one's talking to each other about it. That's what's mind blowing.
1: Well, because it's not modeled.
0: Right. You know what I mean? It's not modeled. Exactly right.
1: That's the kind of conversation you don't have. That's that's the taboo conversation. That's inappropriate. We just don't have open communication even with our friends about the pleasure that we're having. Oh, it's so
0: weird to me now. Right. I know. My,
1: my dream is that I can talk about sex just as much as I talk about the beauty of a bowl of ice cream. You know what? It's pleasurable. I have it in... Doses. I don't eat it every day. I, you know what I mean. Like, or I do eat it every day. You know, if you're having sex every day. But like, we should be having conversations about these things just as much as any other pleasure in our life that we get. But it's so taboo because of the puritanical culture that America was funded on. Yeah. absolutely where it was like this, this the body is sin you know and part of that was really stepping out of pagan cultures which had a more connected understanding of our bodies and sexuality and the christian church really turning on those people and saying you're a yeah. witch you're bad you know and creating this whole other space where it's like the body is the sin you know so a lot of that i think we're all healing healing through king this is what i'm going to write about healing, is healing. Kink. <laughs> yeah absolutely like healing through that collective experience that yeah. told us that our body is bad you know like I I wore a purity ring. I cried when I lost my virginity, feeling like I was worthless. I mean, yeah. like there's oh yeah, it was a whole. Tr- I mean, and when you ask how I got to this journey of studying sex and relationships, it was all of that,
0: yeah, all of, of that. Of course, put, of course. Put me on a
1: very strong path to be like, I'm gonna yeah. explore all of this, of and so. Yeah, I just, it it's sad. And I think collectively as a society, we're getting better. There's conversations about it. You know, there's the pleasure principles on Netflix, how to build a sex room. Like they're yeah. starting to be a little bit more conversation about it. So I think in the next 100, 200 years, it'll be much more of an open topic where it's easier to talk about and people are going to have more pleasure with it. It's just, we're still healing, I think, from those experiences and yeah. the puritanical culture.
0: Man, this has bounced around to like, everything I love. <laughs> I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I study sex and relationships and relationships is the bigger umbrella one, right? We got that relationship to self, the relationship to society, the relationship to others, the relationship to your spirituality, all of this is all of connected course. to your identity and who you think you are and how you move about the world. So yeah, this is where I love to dabble and play in and intend to play in for a long, long future in this space of psychology. Well,
0: oh, you're doing a great job. And yes. uh, I mean, you're You know, it's great to talk to other podcast hosts because you just get it. You know, you know how to have the conversation. You've sharpened the sword. You know, you've had the conversations. Uh, This has been very pleasurable for me. Yes, it Uh, has been. It has been. Yeah, this is uh, fantastic. Nicole, uh, please tell all the lovely people how they can connect with you.
1: Yes, I have Modern Anarchy Podcast and I release episodes every Wednesday talking about all of this stuff and more. So you can find that on any of the podcast platforms, including YouTube. And then you can also follow the Modern Anarchy Podcast on Instagram. And my personal Instagram is Topsy Anarchy. So come find me, check me out, talk to me about all these things and more.
0: I'm fine, Nicole, literally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going on a fun journey, so stay with me, folks. Love
0: <laughs> it. Love it. Thank you so much, Nicole. Yes, I appreciate of
1: it. Of course, of course.